right, let's get in. This is going to be our final message on this series, and so I really hope I can finish it. If not, oh well, I'm not continuing it next week because we're going to jump into the stories that uh, surround Easter. And so that's coming up because it's getting close. Um, but, okay, back to this a more beautiful faith. The reason I called it that is because people say, are, you've heard the phrase, are you a person of faith? You know, or uh, are you a Christian? Or do you, all these terms, and they're okay to have. But what does it even mean? And sometimes faith means you're really religious, as in you're following a set of rules, rules the church gave you, rules some list gave you, whatever, and that can be religious. Um, but I'm looking for a more beautiful faith, which requires the unlearning of stuff that we may have been believing and taught. Uh, it means revisiting topics that, hmm, wait a minute, uh, we're allowed to revisit that? Yep. Uh, questioning things. We're never allowed to question things. At least I wasn't in the system of church I grew up in. And now I'm having great joy in questioning the answers that were given to me. And some answers are just as beautiful and getting better. But other answers, like, wait a minute, that needs a complete gutting and a redoing, a renovation of that. And so that's what this has kind of been. It's like deconstruction. And then, of course, we continue to grow. So if you use the term deconstruction in any kind of way, I know that there's some negative and positive connotations, but honestly, it's just discipleship. It really is. Just keep growing. Really. So it's not that scary. And the, so the, this week I'm going to cover what, what is God really like, part D. So with four weeks we've been talking about what God is like. Previous to this, we talked about the room to express frustration regarding faith. That's how we started the series. Uh, and then we got into there are a lot of topics that must be revisited, re-explored with a new or more mature lens. Because you've grown. We've all grown. We don't believe the same things that we believed in Sunday school exactly the same way anymore because we mature and we grow in our understanding and exposure to truth. So if you're still living off of that faith, you got some growing to do. And we're called to grow up. Um, you have more information now, too. Deconstruction is not something to be feared. Extremes are unhelpful, but there are a lot of things we need to unlearn and replace with more hope-filled perspectives. Um, who is God? Misconceptions. We took a whole week talking about the misconceptions that we see in our world about who God is. And then, of course, we got into this concept of everyone lives their lives based on their concept of who they think God is. Everybody does that which means, what are some concepts? And these are the ones we covered the last couple of weeks, that God is actually happy, embracing, and dancing over you. Sorry, Baptists, uh, God does dance. Um, uh, he's crazy about us. He's welcoming and accepting and affirming, which is the exact opposite of not good enough messages we've grown up with. He's gracious and gentle, not a tyrant, heavy-handed. Uh, he's rich in mercy. Oh, my goodness. And the best one, he's not distant from anyone. Last week, we nailed this one. I think there's a lot of content, and there's no such thing as separation from God. It's an illusion. Uh, it happens in our mind. And Richard Rohr writes, we cannot not be in the presence of God. There, I read it for the right way the first time. <laughs> I think I read it three or four times and got it wrong each time. But there's no place God isn't. And that was laid really clear last week, so go back. I'm not repeating it. Today, I want to cover God is light, love, and life. I won't get through it, just so you know, because you know me by now. Um, but the idea that light and love, like the, these are big topics. It's not, uh, it's not just a generic lens that we, we were told in Sunday school. It's deeper and better 
than that. Let's start with God is love. Some people say, you know, okay, I know God loves me because the, you know, the Bible says so and it's his job, right? God has to love you. Well, that sounds like an obligatory love, which is not true love, all right? But love, agape, is not an app. It's not an attribute. In fact, I fully remember in Bible college, um, the attributes of God, love was one of them. Love's not an attribute, an add-on. It's the DNA, the essence of who God is. And if something doesn't look like the love of God, it isn't. And that means revisiting a lot of things we've misunderstood about God, including stuff we've read in the Bible. They need to be revisited with a, um, uh, a searching, inquisitive lens of where and how can we read the love of God into this? How does it fit? And uh, I think there are really good perspectives available. Um, it's the essence of God. All right, let's see what the Bible uh, expresses regarding this concept. And the reason I've been doing this, and if you noticed that last week, a ton of verses. So I am using the Bible a lot, multiple translations. I want you to see I'm not cherry-picking how it says what it says. I'm trying to show you what I have been learning. And I... I I'm not going to believe something just because a person I respect teaches it and believes it and parrot it. I was accused of that for years. You're just parroting what they say. You'd... Wait a minute. I have enough integrity that I am not going to stand up here and share something I don't believe. I can't do that. I'm not going to follow a script. If I can see the truth in it, great. Remember the End Time series I did in 2013? Man, I was scared. That's probably the only series I was really scared to share with you. Because I was moving away from this um, uh, very fear-mongering lens of the world's coming to an end. And anyway, that's a whole, that, that was a great series I finally got through. So let's, let's take a look at scripture. The book of John and 1 John, um, great books in, in trying to find out who God is. So let's, let's walk through some terms and highlight some words that we need to highlight and if you're watching online and I'm going too fast, too bad, you can just rewind later and, you know, and it's all there. Um, and if you want the PowerPoints, just I'll, I'll email them to you if you really want them. So here we go. 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, and we'll go through. So those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. It doesn't say God's absent. They just don't know. Big difference. But the point is, God is love, or God continually exists being love. Now, some people say God's also judgment. No, he's not. That's not the essence like, you can make your list, but there's only a few God is, is's in the Bible. And uh, this is the biggest in my mind. And, of course, the light is really cool. It's all connected to it. Verse 9. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. All right? That, that's, a, that's pretty deep. It's like, what? What are you talking about? This is what it says. 
So the first part, the light of God's love shined within us means God, God's love was revealed among us. The base word for revealed is uh, piano, not piano, but to shine light. All right? When he sent his matchless, or only begotten, that is, Jesus had no beginning and was the eternal son of God as part of the triune essence of the Godhead. And if you remember the book of John, at least 1 John, it begins with, in the beginning was the word, capital. I'm going to read it for you in a few moments because it's really cool. But we'll get into that. Okay. Uh, his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. The Aramaic can be translated that we might live in his hand, considered to be an idiom of living by his grace. Th- to me, this is, this is showing and peeling back layers of, of great grace that we may not have been told about. 1 John 4 verse 10 This is love, or how love was born. He loved us long before we loved him. Huh. Do you mean God loves people who don't love him? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Are there people God doesn't love? No. But what about, and you have your list. It's the but, yeah, what abouts reveal your concept of who God is. And if you have those yeah, but questions, I'm going to beg you to focus and study on God is love until it oozes out of you. Because you won't ask that question when you really dig into who God is. You just won't. It's a child-level question. Uh, It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. This is what Easter's about, so we're kind of preluding the Easter stuff. But this is the story of it. Delightfully loved ones... If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. This is the natural overflow of people who love God and know they are loved by God. There are people who don't love very well, but they also don't believe God loves them as deeply. There's a direct correlation. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. Now, it's, it's not a, um, um, when it says if, it doesn't mean if you do this, then this will happen. It's about since. And if you remember last week, it was really clear the light of Christ shines through us. Christ is in all things and holds all things together. So it's not about absence and by doing these things, now you're in and he comes in. It's not like that. It's you awakening to the fact that he is there. That light is already in you. There isn't a magic Harry Potter phrase you say to get God in you. Although we were taught that, weren't we? And if you think about it, it's quite ridiculous. I understand the intent. Say this prayer, then God will. No. In fact, I think it was Francois Dutoy from Africa uh, this morning posted, evangelism is not telling people how lost they are, but instead telling them how loved they are. I thought, oh, that's cool. It's just a, a nice flip. See, hope-filled perspective. Because I grew up with evangelism as something you do. We had, we had school buses our church bought. And we went door to door. Kids probably, you know, it was like the free Sunday morning daycare. And bringing people in. And, and it was a loving thing to do. There was, there was good intent there. But the motivation was 
make converts. You're not in, let's get you in. So it, was a comp- it honestly is a brutal judgmental system that I never saw before, and I'm still unpacking it today. Still rethinking all that and what it means. But I think Francois' comment this morning was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. Verse 13, 1 John 4. And he has given, that's past tense, us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Where does the revelation of God living in you come from? It doesn't come from somebody telling you. You can have it, the idea brought up from somebody externally, but it's made true inside you. It's from within. You go, something tells me this is really true. I can't explain it. I don't have the theological terminology to explain God's in me, but it seems to be a voice in me. And I've heard many people say there's a voice within them that called them to faith. Not external. I remember in... Uh, uh, going through some systematic theology stuff, but that's another topic. But going through a, a book um, on the idea of salvation. And I was shocked because it was a very conservative theologian who wrote the book. And yet, and I'm still looking for the line. It says, how is it possible people can say the prayer if the Spirit's not already there to say the prayer? How is it possible? It isn't. So... That's cool. That sure got my wheels turning and eventually started to see that. And this is, this is like long before I understood identity in Christ. So it really threw me. And now I get it. It's like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. All right, verse 14. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. This is a big theme in the gospels, Jesus being the savior of the world. And he says that to the woman at the well. Hey, we know the Messiah is coming. And then he says, I am he. What? And she leaves her water bottle there, which is why she came to get water. And she left the water bottle, zipped back to town. Hey, everybody. She's all telling everybody everything. And the whole village comes and, and they listen to him and say, hey, don't go away. Come stay with us. For, and so they stayed for a few more days. This is a Samaritan village. Jews don't do that. So something was going on. And I, I think a, a few people, we've, we've had a talk here about um, the Samaritan, sorry, the, the woman at the well being, oh, maybe she was a, a prostitute or an, a person of ill reproach and bad reputation. No, I don't think so anymore. I think she had a great reputation or nobody would have taken her seriously going back into town. Nobody would. But here we go, savior of the world. Verse 15, those who give thanks that Jesus is the son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. I love this intimate experience. This is the key. You may know God loves you, but are you experiencing that love? That's what I'm after. Some churches are all about experiential things, but never into the, some theological, hey, help me understand why this is true. And some are so into the, to the why this is true and have no experience. Some are into the rituals, and the rituals bring comfort. And to others, those rituals are like annoying, and they can't handle them anymore because it's meaningless, because it's lost meaning for them. Each of those have value. We don't mock other churches and how they do their styles. We have our styles, and people will mock us. We don't have it all correct. 
None of us do. None of the churches do. But Christ in you is correct. And however that expression, the experience reveals itself, is uniquely done for you in your personality. Sometimes we say, well, I want to be like that person. Don't do that. You don't even know what they're like really, really, and how they experience things. This is your journey. And sometimes when we come together, it's really fun because we see multiple expressions of the personality of God. You want to know what God's like? Look around. <laughs> what? Yeah, he lives in us. Hmm. That one's going to be fun. We've come into an intimate experience with God's love, and we trust in the love he has for us or in us. God is love or continually exists being love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. This is a pretty intense text. If this is too heavy, go back and read it later. Uh, 1 John 4, really powerful. Verse 17 says, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us. There it is again, the experience, the expression. God's love is there, but is the expression of God's love coming out of us? Not always, especially when we drive sometimes. It's very the opposite, especially in a roundabout. But anyway, the expression, my, it's getting better though, I, I will say that. Um, <laughs> but the expression of God's love is the fruit of our belief. We live our lives and based on what we believe at any given time. There are times where the expression that we give to one another is very unloving. And it means we've forgotten who we are at the moment and we've allowed frustrations to speak through us and we hurt one another. And it's, it, this is, I'm speaking to me here, okay? We do this and May God reveal his love to us in the moments we need it most. If you're frustrated with somebody, pray for them. Father, reveal your love in them because what they're showing ain't your love. <laughs> the Aramaic, oh, sorry. Um, by living in God's love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. What does that mean? The Aramaic can be translated, we will have open faces on the day of judgment. For the true believer filled with God's love, the day of judgment is not to be feared, but looked forward to. For perfect love will have made us completely like Christ. Love provides us with no reason to fear the future or fear punishment from God. Oh my goodness. Uh, do you know that some of you go to judges all the time and don't even know it? Oh, I haven't been to court in a long time. I'm not talking about court. How many have been to a medical doctor or medical professional at any time in the last two years? You can admit it. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to tell us what. But you were judged. You were judged by the health professional. And you were judged healthy or unhealthy or judged that this part ain't working right. When they poke you and it hurts, ooh, that's not supposed to hurt there, but it hurts. The judge, doctor, is pointing out something. So there's, it's a declaration of what is. So the judgment that we keep hearing about is the judgment, the declaration of your righteousness, that you're loved. And you may not believe it even until that day but it's going to be declared. Too many people are afraid of God. Oh, but wait for judgment day. Listen, 
If God's going to judge, he's not going to judge like the Roman Greco system of judgment. The old system is a system of payback. So that when we do something wrong, we got payback. And we see that in the Old Testament too. But the Hebrew mindset is about put back. Your restoration. Restoring you back to your true identity. That is the judgment we can welcome. It all depends on how you read that word and how it triggers you. All this because Jesus now is, so are we, just all, because all that Jesus, that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. So we are the same as Jesus. We are not Jesus, okay? I know people talk about that. I am Jesus. I am a God. Oh, will you quit it? Even Jesus didn't say anything like that. He did not say, he didn't want the equality with God, something to be pursued, he said he was one with God, but he wasn't looking for notoriety. He was not looking for one-upmanship, look at me, look at me, and independence. He actually came to submit one to another. That is more accurate. Because we are what he is in this world, the verb tense is important. We are not like Jesus was, but because of grace, we are like he is now, pure, holy, seated in the heavenlies. Whatever the nature of Jesus is, you possess the same nature because you are one with Christ. You are in union with Christ. Your true identity, your true identity is union with Christ. That's your true identity. Verse 18, love never brings fear. <laughs> my mother, oh my goodness. <laughs> when I got punished, I do this because I love you. Don't love me so much. <laughs> that was a regular phrase. I'm not kidding. But real love never brings fear. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> she sees differently now. Really differently. Love brings, never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. <laughs> but love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. That's why I say, please study and believe and keep churning this in your mind until it really gets a hold of you. Because it's that love that's going to shift out, push out the fear, the purging. If you've got fear in you for the world or circumstances or whatever, fear of God, that's not God. That's not the fruit of living in Christ. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Ooh, that's good. The immediate context shows that it is the fear of correction, punishment, or rejection. Are you, are you getting it? Do you, are you starting to see that God is love here? I hope so. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love of God, first demonstrated to us. This is about not doing things for God like we were taught. You know, God needs us to do this for him. You know, we're, we're the only hands he has. We're the only feet he has. One comedian said, well, then, if that's all true, man, God must be a paraplegic because it's useless on this earth right now. <laughs> you know? But this is about responding. The love of God being a response. When kindness and love comes out of us towards a fellow human, that's the love of God. If there isn't love coming out, that's a blindness to the love of God. Doesn't mean it's not there. It just means we're unaware of it. 
Let's see what uh, uh, this verse looks like in a couple other translations. We, though, are going to love, love and be loved. First we were loved, now we love. He loved us first. This is from the message translation. We love because he first loved us. You know how people have been told, you must love God. Well, that's mighty nice to say. <laughs> it's like a threat holding, you better love God. You know, it's like that cartoon we, or that picture of Jesus knocking the door. It says, please let me in. Why should I let you in? For what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in. Like, sure, motivated. Anyway, if you haven't seen it, it's very funny. Uh, the mirror translation says, we love because he loved us first. We did not invent this fellowship. We are invited into the fellowship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are invited into the Trinity, the perichoresis, the circle dance of love of God. We're included in it. Some are standing on the outside, don't know how to dance. But we are included, and some are waking up to that reality and are dancing in the love of God, however it looks. Some of the, some of the dancing might just be tapping a feet, who knows. But the point is, there's an awareness going on. The Passion Translation, which I love. For this is how much God loved the world. <laughs> he gave, this is John 3.16. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. What does that word mean? Or believe into him. Salvation and regeneration must be by faith. True faith. And by the way, where does faith come from? It's not mustered up from within. You can't go find it. It's not a, a hidden diamond on a big sandy beach. Faith is a gift given to you by God. You can't have faith without God giving you a concept of faith. Enjoy the level and the, the, how much he's doled out to you. Um, it has a number of components. Acceptance, embracing something, someone has truth, union with God and his word, and inner confidence that God alone is enough. That's the maturing of faith. That's what it looks like. And it looks like loving other people. <laughs> we just covered that. God is light. Oh, good. I got some, a few more minutes. Whew. God is light. So God is love. Did we, were we pretty clear on God is love? Okay, good. Whew. But let's get into light. God is just, he's not just a reflection, but light itself, the source. And we'll, we'll see this in this next text. This is John chapter 1. This is what I want to share with you at the very beginning. So this is the book of John. And when he writes, he starts the book by sharing the most important possible truth. He wants to start with that. So chapter 1 is like so intense that most people don't read it anymore. They get to the stories of what happened because that's more fun and interesting sometimes. But I want to show you how important this is. In the beginning, that's when baseball is first mentioned, okay? Beginning, sorry. In the beginning, the word capital W, capital W, not the Bible. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God, not your Bible. Don't mix those up. In the beginning, the word already existed, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's union communicated there. He existed in the beginning with God, and this is the cool part. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Is that kind of double whammy? It's saying the same thing twice. So it's, it means everything. Do you know what blew me away? 
When we talked about this eternal conscious torment hell, and people have said it's the absence of God, how impossible is that? Because who would have created it? Well, if everything's been created, I don't believe in the eternal conscious torment hell. I think there's a much better perspective on those words. And right here, the essence of God using Jesus. Jesus is the creator. God used Jesus to be the creator. Most often if we ask who created the world, people say God, and they assume God the Father. John says something different. So there is an intricate participation. And why is that being expressed? Because the same is true of you and I. God wants us to participate in love, in life. It's not about independence. It's about ultimate dependence and interdependence. Nothing was created except through him. The word, capital W, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to some people who say the right prayer. Is that what it says? No, oh my goodness. It says brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Let me show you this. You saw those that are in the room here can see a laser pointer on the screen. Well, the light shines on the canvas, and it doesn't go through. I can shine it in Wayne. There, I'm doing your shirt. So, you know, it shines on you, but this text is talking about the light shining in you and through you. Okay? This is really important. When I, it was this light section that brought a fuller understanding that Christ is in all things and all people. It, it, it took this section for it to make sense because it sounded a little bit too good to be true and all the, my yeah buts, I had a lot of them. I still, I still have some, but that's okay. Let's see what it says in a couple of the translations. 1 John 1.5 in the NRSV, the newest update that just came out. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim it to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Huh. From the message. This, in essence, is the message. We heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. Huh. The Young's literal translation, which is the most awkward translation out there because it's literal word for word. And this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and darkness in him is not at all. I think they're trying to say the same thing. <laughs> it's awesome. The, um, the next one, the Passion Translation. This is the life-giving message we heard him share and still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. Or no darkness at all can find any place in him. Huh. And the mirror Bible. I know it's a lot of translations, but I want you to see. This is what it's saying. My conversation with you flows from the same source which illuminates this fellowship of union with the Father and the Son. This, then, is the essence of the message. God is is radiant light, and in him there exists not even a trace of obscurity or darkness at all. God is love. God is light. 
Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, listen to this, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You may feel like you're in darkness. You may feel everything's dark. But it's an illusion. The light is in you, shining through, not on. There you go. We should have a cat in here chasing the laser. But this has to do with the light being there, the existent light. And I think everybody has the light of Christ shining through them. Many are fully unaware. And to them, it's just darkness. Oh my goodness, how great is that darkness then? Because they can't see it. Huh. Matthew 6, 23, it says the same thing. Oh, go on. There we go. Psalm 97, light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Light is sown like seed. It's beautiful. John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. There we go. We talked about all that. And there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, capital, ding, 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 which coming into the world enlightens every person. It is God's job to enlighten you, not yours to enlighten someone else. Hence, I have a problem with some evangelism tactics. We push too hard and don't let the Holy Spirit do what has to be done. Do you see the light in yourself? Maybe when you see other people that are, you probably don't want to hang out with or don't even like or actually hate, maybe this truth of the light being in them, maybe you can start looking for that light. If you can handle the light section, then maybe later you can see Christ in them too. <laughs> it's, it's a radically different way to see, but it makes more sense than ever. John 1, 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. Even those who believe in his name. Even those who believe in his name. That's pretty cool. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Almost done. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, oh, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. John 1, 5 says, light shines through darkness. We end with that. Oh, man. God is love. God is light. We, we must have our foundations in place. Because if we have a faulty foundation that God is both love and hate, that he is both um, near and far, a duality mindset, we're, we're going to respond to God very differently. But when we see what the scriptures show, oh my goodness. So look it up yourself. And ask the Holy Spirit, is this true? Because something, my tradition doesn't, is having a hard time with what was just shared. And that's okay. I did not arrive at this quickly or overnight. 
I've been doing this pastoring thing for 31 years, and it's only the last 20 that I started the unpacking, and only the last five years where the vastness of God's love is becoming clearer. It's a journey. It's been fun. It's been painful. It's been really hard. I've lost friends because, oh, you're a heretic. That's a great word religious people use to disagree with you and say, I'm more right than you are. Yeah, that's real love, isn't it? So the struggle of learning and unlearning is painful, but the fruit of it is the joy of God's love in us. And it looks great once it comes to fruition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your light that does shine in us. When we are not living from that light, Father, will you quickly remind us so that the consistency of your love comes out of us to those we love most around us and then to those who we work around and then to our community and so on and so on. Please do that work in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This week, don't forget your online donations. And by the way, we do have envelopes over here if you want to make a donation. Uh, with Just put your information on it. We're not going to pass the plate around or anything like that. See you next Sunday. And we don't have to wear our masks. Um, those that want to can. So we talked about that. And I'll make sure it's really clear in the weekly email, okay? Really clear. Uh, if you're not on our email list, let us know. And then next week we begin the stories that lead us to Easter and all the stories that are connected to it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I think it'll be a great preparation for what is coming. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for those that are watching online and commented. Uh, have a great day. I think that's it. Thank you. Give me a thumbs up when that's off. An applause. That's different. <laughs>